listening to Perry Noble's thoughts on leadership, vision, and creativity. You can find Perry online at perrynoble.com. Well, hello and welcome to uh, the May 2016 edition of the Perry Noble Leadership Podcast. My name's Shane. I'll be your host today. And uh, today we're going to talk about failing forward. Um, But real quickly, before we jump into today's topic, I just want to mention to all the listeners out there, because we get asked a good bit, are there resources available uh, to leaders, church leaders, and all that sort of thing? And they're definitely are at newspringnetwork.com we have lots and lots of things at that site that free. can help you yeah free 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 99 free 99 so we you know we just really want to uh share what god's been teaching us and if it can help you man we are blessed by that so go check out that newspringnetwork.com well perry you know today uh we're going to talk about failing forward and it's certainly easy for us to think uh, that a church organization that's growing must be doing everything right. But as we know, and any leader can testify, sometimes growth happens in spite of bad decisions. And the key really is to learn from your failures. Uh, that's why we want to talk about the idea of failing forward today. Uh, none of us want to experience failure, but we all do. In one way or another, it's something everybody has in common. So today we're going to share some things that we've learned through our failures. Yep. Uh, so first question is just this, why is it so important that we learn from our failures? Well, let me, let me back up and say, um, let me talk about a major failure that, that happened right before we came on this podcast is somebody uttered the words roll tide and you just don't roll, you don't, you don't roll that out in front of a Clemson fan. So I'm going to go ahead and hashtag pray for Maddie, hashtag pray for Suzanne. And the first person that I see put up hashtag pray for Maddie and hashtag pray for Suzanne in a tweet. I'm going to send them a, a signed copy of the most excellent way to lead with Go Tigers in it. There you go. That because that was a that was a major failure, Shane. It took me off my game. I, I was ready for this podcast, and I, they took me off my game. I got a feeling somebody in Tuscaloosa wants that book. I, I got a feeling they do. <laughs> so anyway, if you that's the hashtag for a free hashtag copy. Pray for Maddie. Hashtag pray for Suzanne. Yep. Suzanne's not really an Alabama fan anyway. So anyway, why is the most uh, – you, you asked the question, why is it so important that we learn from our failures? I, I wrote two things down as I was thinking about this question. Number one, um, failure is an opportunity for focus. And the reason I, I say that is because when you fail, what, let's say it's you, you fail with a hire or you fail with a system or you fail with a strategy – that's an opportunity for a leader or a group of leaders to kind of um, focus on an area with a laser type intensity and go, okay, what did we what did we do wrong? Um, what did we communicate that was wrong? What did we say that was wrong? And so, failure is just a really, really, really great way. Um, if you're looking for a bright spot to dive into a particular area, so failure is an opportunity for focus. And then I wrote down this, failure is an opportunity for an amazing future. Because the beautiful thing about, the failure isn't the problem. Not doing anything about the failure or not recognizing the failure. Those are the problems. But when you fail, it's an opportunity to go in, fix it, succeed, and make it so much better. Um, Because the thing I've learned from failure is if we don't learn from failure, we're going to repeat our failures, and that's when it becomes a problem. No doubt about that. Uh, do you think it diminishes a leader's ability to lead when they fail? No, 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 no. Well, I, I'll take this. I'll take it back. It always diminishes the leader's ability to lead 
if they allow failure um, to become incredibly personal. Um, because then it becomes an issue of pride. It becomes an issue of um, woe is me. It can turn into a, a pity party. Um, but I don't think it diminishes a, a leader's ability to lead at all. In fact, I believe it diminishes a leader's ability when, number one, they don't know they failed, or number two, they won't admit they failed. Because there's a good shot if failure has taken a place in a company or an organization or a church nobody's going to be surprised when the failure is announced. But if a leader pretends it's not happening while it's happening, that's what's going to diminish his or her ability to lead during that time period. That's good. You know, in in the answer to the first question, you mentioned it's an opportunity to focus, and I really love that. What what, uh, So if a leader's willing to, hey, admit, um, hey, we we missed the mark here, but we're going to focus back in on what went wrong. What are some ways that a leader can try to focus? Maybe it's a general failure, something they wanted to work, didn't. How would you suggest they go about focusing in in the right way to make sure they actually identify the problem? The worst mistake a leader can make about failure is trying to correct it alone. I'll say that again because that was good. The worst mistake a leader can make when it comes to failure is try to fix it alone. Um, even if even if the leader even if the leader made the on the spot decision that created the failure, um, one of the biggest uh, I, I call it you feel like you're in quicksand. You you can't you can't get out of the quicksand, and the harder you try to dig to get out of the quicksand, the the more you sink. When if you just ask for somebody to help you out of the quicksand, somebody would. And, and what's so beautiful about it is sometimes when we make a decision or a series of decisions that lead to failure, we get blinders. There are blinders on our eyes, and we just can't see certain things, and somebody else can step into the situation with fresh eyes and go, oh, well, have you thought about this, or have you thought about that? And so that's the biggest thing for leaders is is learning how to go ahead and admit you failed because either you're going to admit it or it's going to be discovered. And, and if you'll go ahead and admit it rather than it being discovered, you actually earn more equity with people. Um, and then ask, for, ask people for help in regards to how to dig out of the pit that you, the, the failure pit you just kind of dug for yourself. It's really good. You know, one of the things we've mentioned on this leadership podcast before is a proactive way to even avoid failure is just to get more people involved. Yep. I mean, you've, sh- you've shared before, I can make a bad decision, but we will rarely make a bad decision. That's right. Get people unified around the next step, but definitely, so focus, but don't just focus yourself. I mean, by yourself, get more people in there to help you identify what the problem is, because like you said before, you just don't want to make the same mistake over and over again. You know, something, uh, period that um, also could be an area of failure is in, in one's, a leader's personal life. And certainly if you're listening and you're a church leader, sometimes, you know, it's difficult to say, hey, I've messed up here or I've messed up there. But how can personal failures actually cause failure at work? You know, it's different. And, and the, I'm going to say this, and it's going to sound sexist at first, but it let me explain it. Men have the ability to compartmentalize. Yeah. And so men can men can um, hide personal failures longer than women can, which I actually think is a strength for women. I don't think it's a I don't think it's a weakness because because they can not hide it, they can deal with it quicker. Um, but absolutely. So let's say let's say you're struggling financially, 
you're going to bring that to work with you. And eventually that's going to, that's going to come out because that's the person who hops from job to job to job to job to job thinking, okay, I'm going to make 5,000 more here, uh, 7,000 more here, not realizing it cost them 17,000 to make the move. Um, and so that's the deal. If you've got failure, um, in your marriage, that's that's you're going to bring that to work with you. That's gonna that's gonna uh, be a struggle. If you're dealing with um, failure in any type of relationship, if you're, um, I mean, yeah, anytime you have a personal failure, because this is my, this is what I think. I don't think you can separate secular and spiritual. I think it's all. I think everything's spiritual. I think I sounded like Rob Bell. Yeah, right there hey, a bit, that's I? all right. But but listen, man, I'm I'm a Rob fan when it comes to that. He's right. Everything really is spiritual. And so because of that, I don't think you can separate work and now some some people seemingly do it and they seemingly do it well. But if we want to be a leader that leads with integrity over the long term, then I don't I don't think we can do it and do it well. No, that's good. Uh, well, hey, why don't we just jump into maybe a couple of our failures? Share share one of our failures and maybe what we learned and how we move forward. Okay, so I've got a bunch of these. Um a I, bunch? I, I, it's really funny. I'm listing stuff. I was listing stuff, and I was like, okay, we can talk about this, we can talk about this, we can talk about this, talk about this. Because um, it, an organization isn't great because they don't make mistakes. An organization becomes great because they recognize mistakes and they don't make them again. So um, you'll remember this one well, Shane. In fact, we were sitting probably at this table when we decided to go multi-site, which was not a failure. Um, we decided to do a capital campaign, which was not a failure. We decided to lease a building and upfit the lease, which was not a failure. Um, we decided that we did not need an attorney to read over our contract, which was a failure. Uh oh. Because we wound up investing. Was it was it two and a half? Yeah, it was around three million bucks. Yeah, so we we invested three million dollars in an upfit. Now, some church leaders are like, can't imagine investing that much. Some church leaders are probably like, oh, yeah, we, you know, whatever. But $3 million is a lot of money. I don't care who you are. I don't care where you're from. And so we invested $3 million in this outfit. Well, we were subleasing the building from Bilo. And about 10 months after we, uh, su- we were subleasing this, Bilo declared bankruptcy. When Bilo declared bankruptcy, all of their contracts with the people they were uh, leasing with or subleasing th- with were null and void. So the person that Bilo was actually leasing from then approached us instead and said, instead of paying $40,000 a month on this lease, you're going to have to pay $85,000 on this lease. And a, a law student, not even an attorney, a law student could have read the contract, caught that, brought it to our attention and saved us a lot of money and a lot of um a lot of anger, a lot of pent up frustration. But that was a major mistake that that we made. We're one of the only campuses in America that started permanent and went portable. Like most people the, the, the goal is to go the opposite way. Um but it turned out it turned out to be real good. But you know what, man? Um, when we lease buildings now, or we go in, we get a lawyer, a lawyer, like a not, not an ambulance chaser, like a legit lawyer to look over those contracts because um, that was about a two and a half, three million dollar mistake that we don't want to make again. 
Yeah, the lessors or lessees. I don't know. Whoever's, whoever's leasing stuff, don't, they don't want to see us coming in. We're not going to make that mistake again. Nope, nope. We're and gonna... I think I think the guy that tried to take us to the cleaners on that was an Alabama fan. I'm just saying. Yeah. I'm not I'm not 100% mm-hmm. sure, but I think he was. And if it matters, that building's still vacant, so good, yep, good decision is. on his part. Yep. There you go. Woo-hoo. Roll uh, <laughs> So uh, we learned, obviously uh, – Read the contract. Get people who know how to read contract. Read the contract. Uh, how about another one? Oh, this was easy too. Uh, so a couple years ago, um, and th- this is just recent. We did the math, and numbers don't lie. And we discovered that we could reach significantly more people if we would go from two services on a Sunday morning to three services on a Sunday morning. And uh, and let me stop and say there are a lot of great awesome ministries in America, all over the world, that do three services on Sunday. But for us, when we went from two services to three services, we noticed it in about four or five months, but it took us another four or five months after that. We we did it for about a year. Um, It took us about a year to understand, you know what, that was a mistake. Not because... um, Three services is bad are bad. It's just it wasn't our culture. It didn't fit in. Between service times, it wasn't about doing ministry. It was about getting one group of people out, getting another group of people in. And we just decided, man, this isn't who we are. And so we made the decision knowing it was going to cost us numerically. I mean, I remember making the decision to go from three services back to two services and saying out loud, guys, we're not going to make Outreach Magazine's fastest growing churches this year um, because numerically the the numbers are going to slow way down, but I would rather lead a church I love rather than a humongous ministry monster that kills me and kills everybody showing up. So that that was a mistake we learned. But here's the beautiful thing. We learned from it and had we not made the decision to do it, we would have never known. Yep, it, it made sense on paper. It would have always been out there, and it was because we didn't. I mean, it helped us really learn what kind of church we yep. are. Yep. Uh, you know, the other things I thought about that same decision, it it uh, you know blew up us really doing church services the way that that really is the way God's called us to do it. Not to mention, um, you know, we had volunteers and people coming to church had to change all their service times that they were doing that. Yep. And then we had to switch it back. So we definitely learned uh, who we are. And we also learned that, you know, the next time we want to make change, we have to think about more than just how many more people can we get in the door. Yep. Yep. It's about so much more. So much more. It's about more than who you can get in the door. That's good. Hashtag Uh, well, let me ask you this. What's the, I mean, we could talk about several, you know, more of those things, but let me just ask this. What's the best way for a leader to lead his or her team through a failure? Two things. Number one, you got to admit it. You got to admit the failure. And we alluded to this other earlier, but one of the biggest problems that we as leaders deal with is this thing called pride. And because of pride, we believe that um, admitting failure makes us look weak. When in actuality, refusing to admit failure makes us look stupid. <laughs> it would be like sitting in a car that's on fire and somebody coming up to me going, your car's on fire, and going, no, it's not. No, it's like the scene from Monty Python. Yeah. I cut your I cut your arm off. Did not. You know, just <laughs> it's just kind of crazy. Um, and so the first thing to do is admit it and then ask for 
ask others for insight. In fact, here's, here's the good thing that I've discovered about failure is failure is not unique. There's somebody else probably out there that has screwed up the same thing that you've screwed up. And I'll reach out to a lot of people going, Hey man, um, I know you probably don't want, uh, this, but you know, like for example, one of the things I love to do is I love to write books. Um, I love to do talks. I've, I've been able to travel. I've been able to do some stuff. The number one thing people ask me to speak on the number one thing, most requested thing, is not leadership, it's not relationships, it's anxiety and depression. Now, that was a season of failure in my life, but I've got people asking me, all right, man, tell me about how big of a screw-up you were, so I don't have yeah. to basically, I don't have to go do that again. So admit it, and then ask others for insight. That's the biggest thing you can do when you're a leader, and you've, and you've screwed something up. So good, too, that, you know, for those of you listening who are Christians, I mean, Proverbs chapter 1 tells us that if when we realize we've done wrong, just change what you're doing, Yep. and God's going to pour His Spirit out on us. Gonna make a change. Uh, <laughs> so we talked about how a leader can lead through it. How can a leader make failures worse? Trying to hide them. When you try to hide a failure, the the monster you create is enormous. I I know of a guy that um uh had a, a real good friend of mine who works in a church, and I won't say the name of the church, but um they had a guy on staff that was um cooking the books a little bit, like messing with the books, and it went on. He 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 made a he made a, he made a mistake and thought he would correct it. But then he thought he would correct that. And so they got about three and a half, four years into this thing, and they tracked it down. And this guy had cost them hundreds and thousands of dollars because he wouldn't admit it. Now, if he would have came forward and admitted his failure, would he have gotten fired? Maybe, maybe not. Um, would he? I, I don't know. I know because he tried to hide the failure, it wound up costing not just him, it cost a lot of people um, in that church. Uh, it cost them their trust of the leadership. It cost them a lot. And so the worst thing a leader can do to make failures worse is try to hide it. Or, or number two, try to defend it. Like yep. you know it was wrong, but you want to save face. You want to be right. You want to be the leader. So instead of admitting it, you, you try to defend the failure. And when you try to defend the failure, once again, it's trying to run in quicksand. Eventually, you're going to drown. What's that quote you used to say? It's like the sin of concealment's worse than uh, confession. Yeah, yeah. What did I say? It was, it was really good. It was really good I, when I said it. I wish I, I could remember it. it when I was the saying it. The consequences there you go. of concealment are far greater than the consequences of confession. That's it. That was it. Yeah, that's good. I came up with that in the middle of a sermon on stage. Yeah. That was real good, yeah. wasn't it? It is, because it's true. I, it's yeah, true. but it's true. Yeah. If you hide something and it eventually comes out, uh, yeah, it's just better just go ahead and confess. Well, we've shared um, a couple of our failures, and certainly we've got more. And Perry, I know you've given uh, lots of great answers to this about uh, failure leads to the opportunity to focus and an amazing future and, and really you know, just admit it and ask for help. Uh, what are some final thoughts on this subject you'd like to share with our listeners? You know, one of the best books I've read on this, um, and, and the, in fact, the very first time I ever heard the phrase failing forward um, was from John Maxwell. John Maxwell wrote an incredible book. Um, he's written a lot of incredible yeah. books. But this one, his book that he wrote on failing forward 
is super, super awesome. I want to highly, highly recommend it to any leader out there who feels like, oh my gosh, I failed. Um, is this the end of me? And this is what I've learned about failure. Failure is the end of you if you let it be. Failure, because it, honestly, if you want to look at Jesus, most people would point at Jesus after he died and say he failed. He did not fail. He just had a different definition of success. And um, we're, we're living proof of that today. So I would say the only way that failure is final is if you let it be. As long as there's still air in your lungs, there's still a chance for you to succeed. Great. Well, thanks, everybody, for tuning in to this month's podcast. We'll see you guys next month. <laughs>